Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Neuro Show. In today's episode... Eurobike. Lightweight is back and Made in Europe is back. Boutique brand slashes its recommended retail price across all its range. US Pro Nationals. Legion didn't win anything. What are our thoughts? And is the rim break versus disc break chat dead? We answer the question. All right, let's get into it. All right, Eurobike occurred last week, JC. I've got lots to say about this. I don't really know which direction to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, it happened last week. My homepage was filled with the videos of it. Did you get around? Did you get excited? Because you you were coming into this. I was kind of hyped for it. First video came out. First one that got off was GCN Tech. So I watched that walkthrough, which was a good one. I watched one more Shane Miller one because he did a tech one. And that was it. Yeah. I burn out. Didn't get to the DC Rainmaker one. Yeah, I peed it off pretty quick. I don't know why. It's funny, isn't it? Like, it's not. It didn't seem to have the same buzz, or I don't know uh, that the Shanghai one had, that the uh, Taipei one had. Mm. They seem to be like introducing products from another planet, whereas this just was like, oh no, I've already seen that over on the other one, or this other theme. And I, I will give you credit for this because you did call this coming in. There was a clear direction that seemingly was being pushed, right? Mm, yeah. Well, the lightweight. To me, it was the lightweight. But as soon as that GC, GCM video came out and there's multiple, it seems like the new gold standard is sub six kilo disc brake builds and they were all over the place. And we'd already seen you know, the, at the Shanghai and Taipei, they already released a lot of the Chinese brands. So that froth had already been done. So the new froth here, obviously it's Eurobike. So you're looking for the European brands, but it seems like they're pushing big time f- trying to froth up the sub six kilo disc builds. It's pretty it's interesting. Like it's got me. I don't know whether to be super cynical about this because essentially you called it with no information. You're <laughs> like, right? We've 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 had disc brakes. We've had disc brake aero. Well, I wonder what's next. Yeah, it's disc brake aero lightweight, and it was. It was just how low can you go? It does sort of mention that point though that you were talking about the other day about like the the weight limit being this sort of stupid irrelevant number anymore. Mm. It is, yeah. And at these conventions, it is. Because, I mean, these <laughs> these bikes are, I mean, the two that they showed on the GCM video, they were about 24,000 euros each or something ridiculous like that. So they're not made for a team to run. They're just made for someone who wants a really nice bike. And fair enough. Any particular product you want to talk about or product category you want to start talking about? Well, more than the, the nationality of it, because we said this, I think, on the Joe video in that 
um, you were saying there's still going to be demand for made locally products. And you saw GCN stamping a few of the bikes with this. Claims like this bike is uh, totally made in Europe aside from a couple of derailers from SRAM. Yep. And they were out there saying that as a claim, this isn't made in Asia. So you can see some of that push pushback, if you want to call it, starting to come through with these brands at Eurobike being really proud of saying that they're mostly made in, yeah, made in Europe, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, you pay for it because they're super expensive, but yeah, it's nice to see. Okay, I've got two sort of points I want to take with this. The, the first is really a little bit based on Peak Talk's video, and the, the first part of that was he was talking about this Hall 9, which was, and I'd heard about this in the past, which was where the suppliers, like the old school sort of Asian suppliers had gone to show their wares and then a main <laughs> brand would sort of go, what are you laughing oh, at? Sounds like Platform 9 and 3 yeah. quarters. Yeah, exactly. Hall 9, well, secret door through the men's bathroom and then of, you're through. <laughs> but it even kind of looked like it came across like that. He yeah. was like, this was Hall 9. This is where the secret deals would take place back <laughs> in the day. And, now he, and then he was in there and he's like, oh, Windspace is here. Elite's here, Fastport's here, and they're just selling direct to the customer now. So it wasn't, didn't have that same sort of, like the the curtain has been lifted is what I'm <laughs> trying to say there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so lifted now that they've got their own hall and they're just in there like Shram, Shimano, look, all the rest of them selling their wares like all the other brands are, mm. you know. So to me that was sort of almost another step in this like legitimizing those brands. The other one was... So the e-bikes, yep. all right? Like to me, not much interesting tech came out of this. It was like, yeah, things got a bit lighter. They looked like there seemed to be some more things made with carbon fiber, all that kind of stuff. But the common thread seems to be that e-bikes, and he said this, Paul Pete Talk said this in his video, like the interesting engineering stuff that was happening was happening in the e-bike okay. category. Yeah. And that I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's certainly not something that interests me in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But it's a clear sign that's where the mm. industry has to go. Yeah, it is a bit of an I don't care thing for me. I mean, the thing I do care about, which is funny in the Shane Miller's videos, everyone's doing radars now. All, all these brands with the radars, which is cool because when I saw that Garmin radar come out years ago, I was frothing it, looked sick, and now you can get them for. I think most some of the brands are doing it for 100 to 120 US dollars for a r- radar. Like what? Yeah. So yeah, hopefully some of them are, are good and come out, and that was that was interesting to see. Uh, the other one that Shane Miller showed, or um, which you maybe wasn't supposed to, was the oh, what brand? Oh, the Coratech stand having the mm. 105 mechanical 12 speed. 12 speed. Did you think I would be excited by that? No. No? Okay, good, because I wasn't. Mm. I, okay, so it's hydraulic shifting, it's 12-speed, but it's mechanical shifting 105. We just did a video on how rival you can get a rival-spec bike with a power meter for 5,000 Aussie. 105 mechanical? Mm. Nah, just can we be done with mechanical shifting? Yeah. It's uh, I, obviously the pushback is it's going to be cheaper, it's going to be cheaper, but is it going to be that much cheaper than rival electronic with a power meter? And that's, I think that's, we, look, we said yeah. all that last week Yeah, where that, where that goes going forward. It, look, random product announcement. Can I just point out? Like obviously someone at Coratech just got, what? He's, who's filming it? What's mm. going on? 
Um, and not only that, but I just <laughs> love the video. It was just like silence. Just hear a photo. His shots mm. of the group set and silence. Nothing said. It's almost like he wasn't allowed to say anything. He didn't want to say anything to get himself into trouble or anything like that. But I don't know. It's nice to have a little sort of slight controversy kind mm. of launched in there. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. As a product, it doesn't do anything. And he said something at the video. It was like, uh, oh, the flights to Eurobike aren't expensive. So I'm just putting this video out anyway. <laughs> Pretty much saying, yeah, this is going to probably get a lot of clicks. I wonder how the video is doing actually. My only other thing was the power meters, like whole new brands coming out with spider-based ones, pedal-based ones. It was just this whole plethora of them. But it was, again, one of these things of like the guys who you expect to be there, like Wahoo, like Stages, um, I think 4Eye weren't there. And it's like I, I don't, I get that people don't have to turn up to, to trade shows. That's not necessarily the thing. But it's interesting that these new this new wave, the machines, and this one, which really needs a rebranded name. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Pedotech. Pedotech that does need to be reassessed. <laughs> I think um, pedal based yeah. one, yeah, super cheap, <laughs> like really, really impressive. Are, are getting in there, and Eurobikes in Germany, and no SRM turning up. Oh Is, yeah. Is SRM like is it is it the power meters campy now? It'll never die because if they just keep making it, people will keep buying it because it looks cool. And if they keep partnering with flashy things like the THM crank, you know, you build it into the THM yeah. crank and it's sort of light and cool. Ah. But they're irrelevant. They they were irrelevant five years ago. Like show and tell. There you go. Oh, props. Yeah. Props sitting around. So that's the that's the ninety nine thousand Shimano uh, SRM mm-hmm. Inspider, absolutely bulletproof. And at the time, was kind of one of the only ones you could get. Really? Yep. Now, like it's probably one. It's impossible to get an SRM anymore for mm. like under two thousand dollars. Yep. And they're actually not. They're well regarded as being accurate. But I've coached people, and we had riders on the team that had them that went out of. The offset drifted or they went out of calibration and they had to send them back. So, yeah, I've seen, I've seen them perform just about as good as any other power meter and have similar issues. So, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't get know. I, I don't get it. Only reason I brought that up, I kind of felt like we sat here a few weeks ago and I was bemoaning that Campy's going away. And I'm, I don't know. I kind of feel like SRM's going away and they were both there at the beginning for me. So, yeah, oh. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling sad, feeling <laughs> nostalgic about this stuff. Well, look, coming away from watching any of that stuff and talking to anyone that was there, I'm a little bit, well, not only underwhelmed, but I think it's a really worrying time for the industry because what seems to be the common thread here is that premium is selling, super budget entry level is selling, and nothing in the middle is selling. Nothing's moving. The the fat, the, the stuff that keeps the industry churning over isn't moving now obviously that doesn't include the e-bike stuff i'm taking that out of it Mm -hmm. but that seems to be the thing you are hearing from a lot of people what shop did you get this we had this chat and you were telling me about this what shop couldn't move was it um was it cash couldn't Mm. move the the mid-range stuff Mm. yeah okay and this was a couple of distributors as well in australia mentioning the same sort of things so you know things like top end cervellos moving Mm -hmm. but the middle ground, just a real challenge to sell. Okay. And I think the reason 
well, this was highlighted to me this week. I've never seen anything like this, Jesse. So I mm-hmm. wanted to, to point it out. All right. So Chapter 2 is a brand of uh, frames, frame designers, New Zealand-based, built in China. And they have just gone ahead recently and dropped the recommended retail price of their their frames across the board and on average about 30 to 40%. This isn't a sale. They've just dropped the price of their frames. So, for example, their top-of-the-line sort of endurance race bike, the Toa, which was, came in an aqua blue color, has gone down to 2500 US dollars, essentially from $3,500. So $1,000 just knocked off overnight. Just disappeared. Just disappeared. <laughs> okay. Okay. What the hell? Again, have, have you ever seen this? No. What's – do you have a uh, – <laughs> I don't I, – I just don't understand how the price can drop by $1,000. I mean, where's that – how are they making any money or how <laughs> where, what, isn't the price anchored on anything to just this, cut it by a thousand like nearly a thousand us isn't this a great question because for me this is this is setting everything up like what is the whole thing okay. built on okay here's what i'm thinking i could imagine if they had some capital influx and they were able to quadruple their production runs of their frames so the manufacturing costs were lower there was some sort of restructure or cut that allowed them to change the retail price would make sense. But to just basically come out and say, we want to, we want to be better value. So we're just going to lose a thousand dollars a frame from the, what we were getting before. Extraordinary. It's, it's look, I can, it's easy to sit here and kind of like laugh at it, but take some balls to just come out and basically say we were charging $1,000 more than we needed to for a price where we're still going to be making a profit. I mean, they haven't changed the specs of the frame or renamed the frame. If they were a bit dodgy, they could have just renamed the frame and and we wouldn't know. How the hell mm-hmm. would we know? Yep. And so kudos to them for just blatantly coming out and saying, we're just going to charge less. So why they not do, Why did they do this? Yep. Obviously to, to sell more frames, okay? You're not doing it for altruistic reasons. No. You're not there to oh, we feel bad for people who can't buy these. That, mm. That's not the case, all right? I get that. So why are they doing this? I think this comes back to, well, uh, is, it, is it pressure from the, the Chinese brands, the lower, the, the cheaper budget Chinese frames that are eating that, eating that market? Or is it the pressure of the mainstream brands doing the complete opposite? Because, you know, for, it's really hard to find a comp for this brand, and that's, that's the most difficult part of this conversation because if it was two mainstream brands, we could easily comp them. But it's a really tough, it's a tough comparison here. So you could argue they are trying to play in the boutique exclusive, sort of affordable boutique exclusive sort of realm, okay? Yeah. And with mainstream yeah. brands just jacking up the prices of that it's almost turning those into boutique exclusive and the, the cheap Chinese brands doing the same thing, well, eating in their way into the bottom, these brands in the middle have almost, there's nowhere for them to, to go, especially when you're not in the world tour and you're not out there being that sort of performance orientated type thing. This for me is like, what's the phrase? It's like the canary in the mine. Like, mm-hmm. is this the first chirping of the canary in the mine saying, 
hold on, everyone. Like we are taking the piss with our customers here. And if we don't reset, we're all out. <sighs> if, uh, I don't know. I, it would be cool if it was. If that was, if this is, if they're basically ahead of the head of the curve and see see something and this is basically a reaction to everyone saying everything's a ripoff, that would be cool. I don't know. But I will say they said in their Instagram post that they have 6,000 customers over six years, which is nothing. Mm. That's absolute small fry. Mm. So I don't want to... We're, we're aware of the brand because they're popular in Australia, but I don't necessarily, they're not, they're such a small piece mm. of the pie, which is in their favor. They can basically go out and do this and no one really notices. So the fact that they are small, having only apparently sold 6,000 frames, which seems a bit low, um, means, yeah, they can go and do this. And does, I don't, yeah, is this an influencer? Is, are they getting really influenced by the market or is this just sort of a, is it relatively easy for them to just rebrand themselves? It's really interesting because the, the only way a company, I mean, imagine if a brand turned up to, to Eurobike and here's our new bike and it's the flagship and it's $1,000 cheaper than last year's. Like it's just, that's not happening. It's the um, only way no. a brand, well, not even a brand can do that. They have to completely, they have to call themselves chapter three. Like they have to like totally to rebrand themselves. So for me, this is, yeah, totally agree with you. Like small fry when it comes to the whole industry. I understand that. Mm. But I've never seen anything like this. No, I'll have to agree. I, I've, I've, I've been, I'm trying to think of an RRP dropping by this much for the same, exact same product. I honestly have never seen it before. Mm. But the other thing that they did, I think a couple of months ago, was they, they promoted that they're still producing a rim brake frame. Which I thought was cool. Interesting. So they seem to be listening at least. Um, well, I suppose when you only got six thousand customers, it's easy to listen. It's easy to yeah. If yeah. you just yeah, if you just couple of hundred rim brake frames, hold them in stock and ship them out. Yeah. But they they kind of feel like at least they got their ear to the ground a bit by the looks of things. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know, guys. Let us know in the comments down below. Have you seen anything like this before? Like, is this potentially the canary in the in the mines and is there a comp for this brand i'd actually be interested like in uk and us if you've seen something similar to this i was hyped for all the national champs that were on last weekend most of them were actually not that good except for the us one why is everything us got drama mm. around it <laughs> no the road race wasn't that good but anyway the, the crits were pretty good yeah. yeah the drama around the around it was quite good so obviously the talking point is how did legion do because everyone's just praying legion doesn't win because everyone loves to hate on them um, so just quick recap for those that didn't watch. Legion didn't win either of the men's or women's crits. They got second in the women's crit and third in the men's crit, I'm pretty sure. But great finish. They rode well. Great lead out. Strong riders. It's just to cut, get to the last 500 metres and they just get outpowered by a some by a well-tour rider in the women's and a guy going well to her next year, rumour has it. So what can you – like they're, they're a Conti team. They're a Conti team. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Like the, the, it's almost like the social media, social media reality just trumps the actual reality. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. their brand and everything is, is so big and so hyped that they immediately, everyone just immediately thinks, oh, yeah, like they'll, they'll dust everyone up with that. It's like, no, 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 no. World Tour pros are World Tour pros. Yeah. Mm. 
But I still think they had a fantastic race. Yeah. I'm looking at that as a Conti team. Mm. Look at it on paper. Podium in the men's and women's crit. Fantastic lead out. Really strong team ride. On the front f- right until the last 500 metres. Imagine if the, an Australian domestic team did that at nationals. You'd be – it's amazing. So, I, I look, I, I don't like everything Legion does and I'm quite happy to give them some flack on stuff they deserve. But they had fantastic rides at both nationals. So – yeah, one thing I will say you, I can't criticise them for is that they have a king amazing team. Uh, so that sort of flack saying, oh, you, you just raise office park crits, you guys aren't that strong. It's like, no, you. anyone that says that is delusional. They are incredibly strong. They don't do themselves any favours though because the day that they didn't win on their Instagram account, they post the win at Tulsa Tough. Right. And it's this thing, and I've heard this specifically <laughs> yeah. from someone, you know who you are, saying it's a really common thing. If they don't get a good result, they'll rehash a win and put that on their social media. And if you're not following, as not everyone does, following the sort of calendar and everything, then it's, go, oh, awesome, Legion won again. And it kind of... Washes over the non-result. Well, washes over washes over them only getting second in the women's elite critic hmm. nationals. I mean, that's on them if they don't think that's yep. good enough. Yep. But like, yeah. And even looking at their people's just so, oh, you're only race crits. I'm like, have you looked through their roster? I mean, there's the people that don't know anything about cycling. When you've got Ty Magna, Carl Murphy, Robin Carpenter, Tyler Williams, they're amazing. You okay? They're not. Um, they're professional bike riders. Mm. So to say they're not a strong team is, is a joke. And I think Tyler Williams got second in the road race. Yeah. Second in the, the pro national. It's like, I don't know. I think um, everyone, I watched it and I don't want them to, to be honest, I didn't want them to win either. I'm kind of watching that crit going, oh, I hope this Jumbo Visma chick <laughs> rails these last few corners and <laughs> doesn't let the Legion rider win because, um, yeah, they kind of do it. They do, do do it to themselves. But I would say on paper, um even though they didn't win, I think a national that nationals campaign from Legion is yeah, it's good, great, yeah, yeah. I have to say, yeah, no. Um, did you watch Quinn Simmons' ride? No, I, I didn't actually watch any of the. I saw that he won. I yeah. didn't. How did he win? Just good literally win. too good. Rode people off his yeah. wheel. Yeah, look, the guy's only twenty three. Yeah, as well, it's crazy to think how young he is. I don't know whether it's the environment that he's in at Trek. It's not sort of quite working how it works in a team environment hasn't kind of tweaked for him or clicked for him, I should say. But, like, I don't really see why he isn't, you know, doing Pidcock things. Not that that probably impresses you very much. Yeah, He's got like, to, he wants to be doing more than Pidcock things. Well, I just, like, being up there in those sort of puncher-type races, I really kind of feel that that's, that's the step he has to make pretty soon. It's interesting because I hadn't heard much of him this year. Let me bring him up in pro cycling stats. He's done a few stage. He hasn't. He didn't do the classic season. Mm. Okay, we might be in for. Is he doing the tour? Oh no, he's doing. Yeah, oh, he is. he's up there. Tour de France. Okay, that's okay. There we go. Because if I mean he's a classics rider, mm. so if he's not doing the classics, watch out. Tour de France. Yeah, and they should be they should be stage hunting pretty much. Yeah. So you would have hoped that can pop up something actually. Yeah. Yeah. You made a comment. In your chat last week about the comparison videos and stuff like that. And it's been ringing a little bit in my brain all week. You, you kind of said like you believe that these, you're riding an older bike and you believe within your body 
that it's as good, right? It's as good, if not mm-hmm. better, than than anything else out there. Yep. And it kind of got me got me thinking a little bit about the the disc brake versus rim brake chat, right? Okay. Which I think at this point is just a dead discussion in terms of it actually moving the needle. So I think there are so many people. Uh, no, I think. Basically, everyone has now chosen their side. So you will see, and this this does mm-hmm. not mean that this debate will not rage in every comment section under any disc versus rim thing because everyone now has chosen their side. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. The, the needle is the, the the needle really isn't going to move. It's it's the U.S. politics of. Of like cycling now, we mm-hmm. we now are red. We are we are blue. That is it. That mm-hmm. there is no more movement. Okay, mm-hmm. and so I kind of feel like to actually progress the com. It's there's going to be no progressing of this conversation. No. The only the only thing that will now move is I'm sorry. It's going to be a generational thing. It yep. will sl- and it will be now a really slow takeover. Yeah. Uh, like that's and a great example of that. I was watching a Canyon, a, a young bloke was doing a review of a Canyon Aeroad, mm-hmm. like second last year of school, high school, right? And he was he'd come from a ring brake bike to this, and like it was the last bit of his review. It was like, oh, ring brake disc brake. I don't know. These seem a bit better. Like it didn't really make much difference. So for him, it was like this irrelevant difference mm-hmm. that he that he dealt with. You know, fast forward that five ten years. He's not even going to care anymore. No. And so I suppose the reason I bring this up is like it comes a little bit back to this YouTube chat that we're having. It's yeah, like, why are we still bringing it up? <laughs> I kind of feel like they're just it's another one of these fake debates that we seem to have that's not actually doing anything. Well, it's not a debate anymore because now it's someone's in the comment, hashtag save the rim break. The comment will get 30 thumbs up. Someone else says... Everything's disc now. Uh, the brakes work better. Thirty thumbs up. Whatever. Yep. That's it. I, and I'm done. I don't. Yeah. I don't even like discussing anymore because we can only really buy disc now anyway. So what? What is it achieving? Going back and forth on it. I don't know. <laughs> is, do you think it we like a generational thing though? Like okay. I'm but the generation's on- already ticked over because anyone that's buying a new bike is getting a disc bike. So. It's already no one buying a new bike. I say no one. I mean 99.95% of people when they're buying a new bike aren't thinking, oh, should I get rim or disc? You're just getting disc. Mm. You just are. It's gone. So even, yeah, generationally, that it's done. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, I suppose the reason I brought it up is I just it just frustrates me that we still pretend, are pretending to like go through the motions of having the debate because we know it gets clicks. Uh, maybe I mean we're not. I know, but like it, it, I'm not quite as fired up as you were last week about the comparison stuff. But for me now, it's the same sort of. It's thing. the same. Okay, that's that's I suppose where I'm headed with it yeah. because I just don't see at this point the needle moves either way. You exactly right. One comment thirty. Yeah, just. Get over it at this point. So, but you you bought a new bike couple a month ago. How much time did you spend considering getting a rim brake bike? 
None. Zero minutes. None. None. And this time last year, I was still riding a rim brake bike. That well, version of that bike. Yep. Like. Yep. Yeah. Quite happily. So. Like, and then I moved. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. The de- I don't think the debate's that interesting anymore. No. That well, that's I my mean, point. no one's clicking. Uh, Three years ago, it used to be that was the that was the thing, and then it was aero versus um, what was it? It was rim and disc. I th- that's totally dead and buried. I think I think personally. Then it was um, aero versus climbing. There was that. Um, I think that's dead and buried. Everyone just wants aero bike. What is it? What's so, the new X versus Y? Totally disagree. Like now it's we- gravel versus. It seems like this all oh, road, yeah. this freaking all road thing. Yeah. One bike, does yeah. It one, all. The one bike yeah. is now, yeah, yeah. People tossing back and forth. I still think you could throw into the mix, like, if we called this video "rim brakes are dead" or something. <sighs> it would, yeah. I mean, you know, it would trigger <laughs> half the population. It's just, I don't think it would. I, I don't not. think. I it would. hope not at right. this point. Okay, but yeah, I don't think you're right. <laughs> yeah. What do you reckon, guys? Is so what? Well, 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 what is it then? So if you're if you're um, if you're buying a new bike, mm. what is the real toss up point? Maybe it will be this this thing mm. that GCN did. This if more if these production um, more of the uh, the bigger brands start doing highly produced bikes well under the UCI weight limit, maybe it will bring back climbing versus aero bike from five years ago that sort of died. But if if now if it is you can e- pretty easily get a five point nine kilo disc brake bike, maybe that discussion kicks up yeah, again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, comes back into play. That's interesting because I, I remember like when I was buying a bike previously pre disc brakes that I knew you could build up to like six point two and probably raced at six point two. Mm-hmm. It never really crossed my mind that. I could potentially have it weighed and mm. sort of, mm. yeah, interesting. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe those days are coming back. Mm-hmm. Training chat. Well, I'm not sure if it's training chat or, or YouTube chat. It's actual bike riding actual chat bike as opposed riding. to just everything else on the periphery that we <laughs> kick the tires with. So this bloke, Andrew Feathered, mm-hmm. gets. Or feathers, feathered. I should say. He's so lean. He gets, he gets wheeled out for all the GCN climbing mm-hmm. challenges. He did one at the Alpe d'Huez thing. He's done one recently where he raced like half a dozen GCN um, uh, presenters. He's unbelievable. Can we just, just pause? Pause. Pause. In that video, mm. why is he in a GB National Champs kit? What? Oh, there is a reason. There yeah, is? Yeah, I don't know. He's the not reason. the national champ. He might be the hill climb champ. Right. That that could be it. Okay. Let us know. So he's a hill climb. Does that – oh, let's say he is the hill climb. He's only allowed British. to ride it on the way up, has to right. take it on. Does he, oh, does he, he flips it inside out for yeah. the descent? For descent. I don't know. I, I reckon that's it. I think it's hill climb. Okay. Okay. Mm. I'll allow that. Mm. Um, so they wheel him out for all these challenges because he's a weapon. His climbing style <laughs> is – how do I put this nicely? Not Alberto Contador, put it that way. It's horrendous. Well, in fact, it is. Well, <laughs> well it is. It is, <laughs> yeah. in a sense. He yeah. spends. It's like a wish version of Contador. I don't know the, the pure metrics on it, but every shot of him riding, all the B roll, everything, he's out of the saddle. <laughs> and it's it's a very unique out of the saddle position, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know how I would describe it. Anything other than an indoor, like... You know what it looks like? Mm-hmm. It's like he's on an elliptical machine because he's so upright and he's got the handlebars rotated up and the shifters are up. So he's kind of like on an elliptical, but he's on a bike. It's really weird. So have you seen anything like this? No. Is I mean, the guy puts out incredible numbers. Yeah. Like are we all doing it wrong? I find this really interesting <laughs> that it, it's it's so economical for him. Mm, well, it's well, not. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> firstly, everyone has different biomechanics. So there are some people, I haven't spent a lot of time researching why, but different um, trunk length to leg length to arm length, there are just people that will be more efficient out of the saddle for biomechanical reasons. Me personally, now I think it's because I have particularly long arms. When I get out of this, for my height, when I get out of the saddle, my body position just isn't in a very efficient position. So there are slight re- biomechanical reasons why people will naturally prefer seated versus standing. So I think potentially if you looked at his sort of morphology, there'd be a reason why he naturally prefers that. But riding out of the saddle is less efficient than riding in the saddle. It just is. So at, at any given power output, you will be using more oxygen out of the saddle. You can get more efficient at it, but it's just how it is because you're using more muscle. It's not efficient. It's it's not as efficient. So, and it's less efficient, obviously, aerodynamically. Aerodynamically. Yeah. So, mm. now that that climb they did in that GCM video was about ten percent average. The climbs they do in the British hill climbs are super steep, mm. so aerodynamics doesn't make a difference. Mm. So he can get away with it. I, if he's doing that sort of power out of the saddle for an hour, I would say if he could. If he had trained himself to be better in the saddle, he'd do more power. Mm. He's obviously got a freaking huge VO2, VO2 max. VO2 must be just, yep. If you can, it's just a, it's just a maths equation. If he could, if he could trans, translate that better to in the um, seated power, he'd be doing more watts like the, because it's more efficient. His bike <laughs> setup is bananas. Yeah. It's, it looks like a beginner. Mm-hmm. He's got like spaces. He's got his hoods tilted right up because he's literally, like you said, elliptical machine. Perfect, perfect <laughs> metaphor for, for what he's at. I'm going to just throw a massive randomness out there. Like the guy clearly, as you said, is just incredibly gifted and talented mm-hmm. and can produce these huge one-off power efforts. I wonder whether that was potentially an issue for him in his cycling career and it maybe never progressed on because he wasn't as efficient as what other sort of people that went on to be professionals were able to do because of that style. Mm. It may be held him back, but in this concentrated one out Strava performance, it's designed for him. Yeah. The interesting as a coach that I'm looking at is how did he end up in this Mm. position? Because it's not something anyone should try and replicate. It's just less efficient. just is. So it's not something you should, I'm going to try and, Become an out of the saddle climber. It's just stupid. It doesn't make sense. So I, I have. I'd love to know how he ended up being so efficient out of the saddle because I, I do see it sometimes in riders on the trainer that ride a lot on the trainer. And this is getting into pseudoscience. There's no research on this, but I would say the. How do I explain this? The the loss of efficiency between seated and standing when you're indoor, I think, is less because the bike's not moving. It's totally locked in. Mm. You can essentially use your body weight a lot easier. You don't have to stabilize. So an indoor rider is going to be punished less if they like to ride out of the saddle. So 
maybe years ago when he was developing as a rider, he spent a lot of time indoors and just became so efficient out of the saddle that then he managed to translate that onto the road. That's a theory I have, uh, but I'd be interested to know how he ended up like this because it's very weird. It's it not common at all. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching the first one that he did, the Alpe d'Huez one, and sort of a kind of, oh, that's it's funny. Every time they cut to him, he's in this position. And then it's it's now, it's it's like it's the first thing I go and look for. It's like I've never actually seen him seated mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, so extraordinary. But climbing positions are funny like that. Like you look at like Cadell used to, well, and Pantani was obviously the, the an original of the, the climbing in the drops. The climbing in the drops person, I think Lander is sort of the modern version mm. of that. You really don't see that much anymore. I would have thought that's, again, basing this on nothing, <laughs> potentially more efficient than what Feather's doing because at least it's slightly more aerodynamic. Um, it's more aerodynamically efficient. I mean, it's not as efficient because your your hips are more rotated over, yeah, okay. which is generally a less – again, it's a less – but it's – you're saying less – when you say someone says less efficient, generally they're talking about, well, efficient is dependent on what you're trained against. Mm. Um, but that doesn't apply to seated verse standing. There's, that's global rule. You stand up, it's less efficient. So – but, yeah, yeah, in the drops, out of the saddle, it would be, for most people, less efficient. That's why I just – there are some of these pros. It's just how did you end up here? Like, what, what are you doing? And which makes me think there would be some morphological reason why they're just naturally inclined to do that in the first place. Weird climbing styles. Have you seen them? <laughs> Have you got any? I Andrew, got one. It's yeah. called you never stand up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> riding on your wheel. It's like you know, trying to hang on, and then you get out of the saddle. It's like what's going on? <laughs> the world's just turned upside down. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. JC. Guys, yeah, let us know down below. Weird climbing styles. Andrew, get in touch. Let us know. How did this all come about? Mm. What data screens do you use on your computer? Oh, I just 90% of the time I'm just looking at the map and just the map and speed on the Wahoo because I don't really, if I'm just doing an endurance ride, I don't need to look at power. And then I just have my classic interval screen, three-second power, 30-second power, cadence, lap time. Yep. Okay. What do you got? I have, I have, so I do use the map, but for years and years and years, I had power. So I had um, the map with power and heart rate did on shown. Okay. For the first time in a long time, wow. I've gone back to speed. Yes. I've gone back to speed. Nice. Because I've started getting a little sort of sp- Speed obsessed with my average rides, with my rides. Oh no! Yeah, like average speed obsessed. Oh, you Hubbard. Yeah, you Strava Absolute. Hubbard. And it's worse. Oh. So I've got this uh, on the Garmin at the moment. So actually, no, I'll fully out myself. So I've got rid of the map, and the current screen that I'm using has it's a speedo type thing. Gives my current speed, gives my max speed, gives my average speed. So I can always see. My average speed from the moment I roll out, it's looking at that me. is toxic. It's very toxic and so dangerous, and borderline dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you got like the last five k's of your ride cutting through the city <laughs> and back streets and suburbs, and I need to hold on to thirty two. It's actually dangerous. So it's worse. What I've actually started doing is I know where my my ride gets basically slowed down. Anytime I get back, pretty much close to home, I get to very sort of. Yep. Small streets, etc. I just end my ride there. 
I give up on the last three, four You loser. Sometimes. Oh, my gosh. And I've been blaming sort of privacy issues for it. I'm like, no, no. it's pure average. No, this is going to be 21 from here on in. I'm going to end it. Oh, wow. I'd said, yep. Wow. In fact, I saw you the other day when I was riding back and I was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, should I stop? This might hurt my average, but just make sure it's paused. Good. It's good. So you know the other trick that I did? I, I went through a phase like that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. The good trick with that one, because most of the head units auto-pause, so when you stop, they pause so the file stops recording. So when you stop at the lights, it doesn't drag your average speed down. So what you do is you see a set of lights go red, you run into that sucker at 45 and just slam the brakes on so you get that nice, sharp... 45 to zero, auto-pause, and then bang, 800 watts as you take off again. What you don't want to do is just drift slowly into the lights and you've got this long section at 20K an hour. So that's what that, that'll be the next move for you. Just every time you stop, it's just full break. I tried yesterday moving off it because Shane Miller did a video. He had a – it's like a, a Garmin IQ addition to, to a Garmin. It's a really cool one. It gives the – gives the apparent your wind, the, the apparent wind to you and the speed of it. So the little arrow, right, is giving the exact wind direction of what you're currently faced mm-hmm. with. And this, these are on endurance rides. Like I just want something down there to look at every mm-hmm. now and again. I actually quite liked that one. That was like, oh, I'll drive this way. Well, it's, at, least, at least it took my brain off the, speed. the average speed. Oh, mm. you need an intervention or I something. That's so bad. It's, it's particularly <laughs> And dangerous. it's also bad thinking that everyone's going in and looking at your average speed. Oh, Chris did a 33 but today. It's, not, it's so yeah. meaningless. It's not about other – yeah, it's, it's weird. It's not? It's, it's just about seeing the three and then the next number or the two <laughs> and the next number as yesterday was. It's, it's a bit of a worry. Okay. Do you want to do some unresearched facts Yeah. Let's, while, let's we, while, while we're here? What do we got? Chris Froome not selected for the Tour de France, blamed mechanical issues, mm. even though, God. which is a strange one, given he owns part of Factor and Black Ink. <laughs> but anyway, we'll just sort of brush over that. That is weird. That is weird. Okay, no, my, Did my, he give specifics or he just said my equipment sucks? Uh, he had mechanical issues. Mm. Okay. Yep. My Froome take is it is it's like we were saying with him trolling us the other week. I honestly think that that's how he lives his life and that's the reason for his shit training. Because when he first came back and he was still on Ineos, he had a really good comeback. He was riding at the front of the... This was only... This was less than a year after the crash and he came back. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what particular Grand Tour it was at, potentially the Vuelta. And he was riding the front, like deep into races and... You're like, yeah, here's the curve is obvious here. Leaves at the end of the year and he's taken his own trainer, his old school trainer with him. And I reckon he's just gone back to froomy, low carb nutrition style activity and it's just plonking him. Because mm. he has a good day every now and again, but he just can't do what he used to do. Mm. Whereas that small period where he was still on Ineos and the the wheel had turned on a lot of these pro teams. He was coming back. He was training properly fueled. Yeah. I, do, I just don't understand why he's so obsessed with losing weight. I mean, mm. he's at his training camp. He's like, oh, I've got two kilos to lose. Like, mate, you're, you're probably 40 watts off your good form. Why are you caring if you're 67 or 69? If he hadn't uh, won Tour de France's, <laughs> he would be clinically diagnosed with an eating disorder. Yeah. Like, it's 
it's, it's really quite concerning. But it's just, it, it seems strange that we're sitting here pointing out what seems to be obvious. You'd think he'd be able to figure out or whoever his, his coach or whoever he's working with would figure it out. It almost seems too obvious mm. that you don't think of it. But it must be. It's funny when you surround yourself with yes-men, though, and I think that's what happens when you're the highest-paid person. You surround yourself with people who just say yes to everything that you do. No one challenges you on it, mm. and you end up in that position. Mm. Um, you got any unresearched? So uh, he, blames his, he blames his equipment. But he doesn't even run the stock stuff anyway, doesn't he? Got, his mechanic kind of follows him around to teams and... He's always running his own bits. He seems like he's got pretty good flexibility to run whatever he wants anyway. It's it's specifically that he had a few mechanicals at moments in races that would have um, shown his results to have been better than they were. I, it's, okay. not, it's not that this exact frame is a piece of crap and I don't want to ride it anymore. It's, oh, I got a flat here. Oh, I got a train chain drop here. That's why I didn't get a result. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Maybe a couple of times. Sure. All right. But that doesn't explain <laughs> all the other race days where you've sucked. Okay. Completely unresearched, but I've noticed that a couple of geometry changes seem to be happening across a few of the brands. I noticed Look did this with their recent bike, that you are coming further over the bottom bracket, increasing the size of the head so the head tube yep and lengthening the wheelbase okay so it's okay. sort of a weird sort of situation where lengthening the wheelbase you initially think oh more kind of stable mm. type type setup but then popping you further over the bottom bracket being a more aggressive position and increasing the head tube then allowing you to potentially run more spaces and that kind of I don't don't hate this by any stretch Less of imagination. Spaces. Less spaces. Yep, yep, yep. I don't hate this. Um, I'd kind of like to see it. My only comment on it is we seem to be continually obsessed with smooth rides. And I just worry a little bit about getting too smooth because I do like my bike reacting. Mm. Okay. Uh, the geometry of it in terms of the body position, I like coming over the front and then what you're probably starting to see is you notice this, the guy that does it and stands out a lot is one of the Tanfield brothers on St. Piran. Big head tube bike and he doesn't slam the stem, but he's super narrow. So he's actually, his back angle's not that aggressive, but he's super narrow and tucks his head down. So he's really aero, but without the, I guess the downside of having to come down really low. So basically emulating what the modern TT bike fit is on the road bike. Uh, so yeah, if the geometry is bit higher in the head tube, cut right over the front, get nice and narrow. Cool. I, I rate that. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. much more uh, sustainable to ride in. The wheelbase thing, yeah, well, I, I kind of like the twitchiness of a uh, mm. – I think I like the twitchiness of a – well, I like the twitchiness. I think that's due to when the wheelbase is, is yep. a bit closer together. I like that. Yep. But, yeah, maybe people want a bit of a – Bit of a sofa ride. This is unresearched. Yeah. So you don't need to. You don't need to provide facts here. No, no. I'm just trying to get my. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to process it, Chris. <laughs> Rafa. Yes. I don't know if it's just me, but they're losing me. Hmm. I I don't get it anymore. So I think potentially the reason is there are when I was coming into cycling, they were the cool brand. Simple-ish designs, but they just looked awesome. 
And now they still do some cool things, like when they do the those releases with with the pro teams, um, with EF. That Palace thing was kind of cool. But everything else, all these limited release with these fashion brands I've never heard of, and just all this limited release stuff. I've, I scroll through their Instagram and just nothing really rings for me. I do like the RCC kit I like, but aside from that, I don't get it. Is it just me? Or? So, has, so, sorry, so what did they do that's, that was like peak raffer? For you like what's what is the yeah yeah peak rafa was just that uh maroon colored pro team aero jersey interesting R- really technical good fabrics simple design that was cool looking now maybe it's because everyone else has pretty much just copied that that's been done so now they're having to do this i don't even know what these things are they do these queens of queen uh What's these? Um, let me bring up some of these limited release things. Rafa X Pata. Mm-hmm. What Scope the hell is that? Uh, what else? Let me scroll through. So, fun fact: Pata was yep. one of the design concepts we had for that um, our jersey in twenty twenty two that Jesse will have right. got right into. Um, a whole bunch of Legion stuff, which does nothing for me. Palace. I mean, I know what Palace is because. They did the EF kit, but I don't know what, what Palace is. Am I just not cool enough? Like, <laughs> I don't, yeah. I think it's a, fair, it's a fair comment, actually, in the sense that um, I'm, I'm the opposite, right? So I, I want to see, I like, I like the collaboration stuff. For me, that's, that's a point of difference. And the brand's big enough that it can collaborate with other brands that interest me. There's some some kind of high fashion stuff, some, you know, um, urban wear type stuff that would work really well with it. I'd like to see more of that. I do hear what you're saying about the core stuff to me. Like, so for example, like the aero jersey at the moment, you can only get the aero aero jersey in just a black. That's it. Like you just, that's really the only option you have. Now I know stock is, is an issue for them going forward, but like, that super technical stuff doesn't seem to be as pronounced anymore as it was. To me, the brand is trying to go into lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. So that's why they've lost me, Yeah, I think. Definitely. Because what you, that's an interesting point. Now the technical kits are being done by your Hoob or Rule 28 or people that are actually in the wind tunnels testing it with aerodynamics. It seems like now Rafa are kind of going, we can't or don't want to compete on the real technical aerodynamic side, at least from a, as a roadies perspective. I still think some of the stuff Rafa does from the uh, Infinitum thing and the off-road stuff is probably still really good. But in terms of the road, now they're just like, well, we're just going to be try be really edgy and cool. Perfect example for me is like that. So they just released this Saint Raphael um, uh, RCC Early Access. It's like a limited edition kit. But it's not only a limited edition kit. You can get the quarter zip knit. You can get the red quarter zip knit, the white quarter zip knit. You've got all this sort of lifestyle gear that you can wear alongside the actual kit side of it. 
What, so, so what, but what the hell is Saint Raphael? What, I, I what is know. it? I'm sure there's some sort of. There you go. It's paying homage to the early origins of our name. Raffer is proud to part with Saint Raphael. I don't know. Okay. Like yeah. Whatever. Got Raffer in it with Saint for it. Like to me. Okay. Yeah, but why would I froth that? I need to know what the what. Yeah. what well, re- I mean, I do people know what rap? I mean, when the palace thing came out, maybe it's just me. Do people know what palace is? I mean, the design's cool, but for me to like it, I need to know what the what the brand is. Do a Raffer and <laughs> what Nike? <laughs> no, if it was if it was like. Raffer and Morton, literally. I mean, that sounds really lame, but at least I know what the two brands are. What's these brands? They just again, maybe I'm just not in the right circles. <laughs> I don't know. Correct, you're not in the right circles. Well, Paul Raffer and Paul Smith. You know who Paul Smith is, right? Yeah, I've heard like of the- it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but, but, uh, but I think that's the point, really, isn't it? Like you uh, said, it's you know, you're not interested in that. Y- yeah. No. Yeah, but I'm a fan of Rafa. I want to mm. be interested, but they're yeah. not doing anything that makes me interested. I guess that maybe was my point. Yeah, I think. But they don't need to be sure. Yeah, they can. I think that's yeah. that's a totally fair point. It's it's again, it comes down to this thing of them trying to broaden their kind of customer base. Ultimately, wait, I, what? So Paul Smith, they were cool, weren't they? Cool, like ten years ago. Paul he's been Smith. a designer for like forty years. Yeah, but I haven't I haven't heard of them. Until just then. No. I think I remember hearing them in high school. Fake news, Jesse. No, they're no, still... You're wrong. They're still You're cool. just actually wrong with this, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's gone through ups and downs of his uh, celebrity status as a designer, but it's still pretty high up there. It is? Yes. Firmly, firmly believe that. All right. But I don't know. The, it's pretty clear. We're talking about brands trying to reposition their... Reposition themselves. Well, they're no Balenciaga or... No. Okay. We, Are no, they? Who? I feel like I know I know most brands. What are we talking well, about? Well, Paul Smith, this Paul Smith thing. Oh, right. No, Paul Smith would be like, um, okay, another UK-based designer, comment down below what, and like help me Ted out. Ted Baker here. or something. Yeah, yeah. Less high street, okay. more high more more high fashion than than Ted Baker. Correct. Okay. Yes. I just don't So he wouldn't have standalone stores and a high street. He would have like a collection at um, at a suit place or something like that. Okay. So yeah. r- when Rafa partner with these fashion things, mm. are they trying to pull in the people that are interested in the fashion, or am I meant to froth this because mm. I don't get it? I mean, who is this for? I don't, I don't understand. I feel this is where not living in London probably is an issue. Like there would be a whole crowd who would operate in both universes. Jesse Coyle's not that person definitely okay um i i think there's probably lots of reasons to it because then it kind of shows gives that gives your brand a little bit of relevance outside the cycling world and that's the kind of point i want to make okay that's where this brand's trying to go right they i think my guess here is they're trying to put a raffa store next to lululemon on a high street in bristol okay that would be where i would see the brand trying to position themselves Okay. Whether you're there for the ride, probably is irrelevant. Oh, I'm, I'm assuming, but that's kind of why I brought it up because mm. I, I feel like they're going further away from me mm. and I was wondering what the go is. Yeah. You've just explained it. Yep. I don't know if I explained it well, but yeah. yeah. No, I guess but fair enough. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I quite like that St. Raphael thing. I think that kind of looks all right. I could get around that. So and it's, oh, okay. Yep. Well, so is that the still... 
See, it's the same. What's the cool cycling Okay, here's the thing, right? But that's the same. <laughs> that's the same aero jersey that I was saying was cool, which I was wearing six years ago. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same mm-hmm. it, with the, the cross across the thing across the sleeves and the two different fabrics. It's the same. Um, I mean, it's still relevant now, but it's the same jersey. In Jesse Coyle's sphere, what's the cool cycling brand? Well, to, I, uh, personally, I feel like map is more relevant to me now. Right. I see the map stuff. Uh, I'm more drawn to it. I don't yeah. know why. I just feel yeah. like it is. No. Yeah. You don't, you don't need a, to, to rational it. Yep. Rationalize it, I should say. But it used to be. Rafa used to be really, you know, if I was going to, I'm going to buy a new kit, right? I'm just a punter. I'm going to buy a new kit. I used to just straight on the Rafa website, what's cool, what's going on. Now I'm not going on to Rafa. Mm. I'll probably yeah, go to map first. Yeah. I mean, I will out myself here and say that I am always going to stand up for them just because of the fact that they were one of the last sponsors that didn't shit us around in the yeah. last year. They stood by us as everyone else is over. Mm-hmm. So I will quite happily stand here and defend them mm-hmm. for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like I'm not attacking them. No, I'm, no, no. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. 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 All right, guys, let us know down below. What's the cool kit brand what should jesse coyle be getting around or is it rule 28 are these uh, i feel like these other one these up and coming things no, are really big, niche are they niche or big niche very niche. are they yep there's only so many man bras you can sell to really get the people in hmm fuck i'm so out of touch i because i swear they're relevant <laughs> i don't know <laughs> how many oh, they've only got eighteen thousand instagram followers yeah maybe I'm, i've lost the plot <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks so much for watching, guys. Do make sure to share this video on to any one of your mates who might be interested. All right, Jesse, we'll see you next week. See you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.